That's right. Then, Father Gracious Lord, thank you for continuing to give us this time that we're able to uh, be able to um, to come to this meeting, Mother. We learn more about your word, Lord. We're able to understand your word, Lord, and we're able to love you more, Lord. Pray for those who, may, who are not able to come today, Lord, that they will be able to um, listen to the podcast later on. For people who are here, Lord, may you continue to uh, give them um, continue strength and you will continue to come uh, for a night devotion. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Alright, uh, so we shall start out by reading the verses. John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71, and today we're going to go through verses 68. To 69. Uh, sorry, 67 to 68. Oh, sorry, gosh. Alright, so let's read together John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless he is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have heard, uh, you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Shall we through verses 60, 66, 67 to 68? together again, and then we're going to zoom in to look at these two verses uh, in depth. John chapter 6, verses 67 to 68. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So as we start off with verse 67, we see that Jesus turned the attentions to the disciples. Now, first of all, this very action of him speaking to this to his disciples, his twelve disciples, or what we will call apostles, is very important, it's very significant. Now, previously in verse 66, we see that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And we already established that when he talked about disciples here, he was not referring to the twelve specifically, but generally those people who were listening to Christ previously from the start of John chapter 6. So it was a huge crowd of people. We are uncertain of the exact number of people who are following Christ at this point of time. But it's data here that most of them have dispersed after hearing what Jesus had to say. Now, some people will assume that there are only 12 people left and those 12 people were the apostles. However, uh, I believe not so much of the case of that, but I think the significance that is placed here is that he directed this specific question to the 12 for a very specific reason. But nonetheless, there's something very significant here. Jesus did not care so much for those who had went away. Jesus' concern was not placed in those who have turned back and no longer walked with him. 
he let them go. They have followed Christ for a period, a very short period, they have left. Jesus was okay with that. Jesus was fine with it. Though his love towards the world is there, though he wished that all would come to him, yet he realized that he knows that only certain people will be saved. He knows that only those who have been granted to him by the Father will be saved. And so he turns his attention to those people who are of concern of him, to him, and to the Father both. If the unbeliever, unbelieving departs, let them depart. There is no great loss of those who never had him. Never had him yet either. And so that is the case here. He turns his attention to the top, to those who follow him. Do you want to go away as well? This is a rather interesting question that Jesus was asking the twelve. First of it, first of all, it's almost like giving them a choice. It's at your choice whether you will or not to stay with me or to go with the disciples who had left me. This gives us a formal indication here, first of all, as Christians. We are here willingly. Yes, we have been predestined. Yes, God has changed our heart. He has made us willing to stay. The very fact that we are willing to stay here as Christians, we are willing to stay in God's hand, we are willing to crown ourselves in God's word, shows that we are predestined. Because our will is with God. Our will has been made and changed to from the world and changed towards God. It's an honor for us that we have received these things. God's soldiers are volunteers and we are not pressed men. We are not forced here, but we have come willingly and we have stayed willingly. So this is the type of question that Jesus has been asking them. So there is some of them here that will not be willing to stay also, as we see later on in verse 70, Jesus knows who is one of them that will not stay for long. They themselves have stayed for a short period of time, but they will not stay for long. Jesus knows that. Now, the twelve had now had time enough to try how they like Christ and his doctrine. And none of them might afterwards say that they were trampled into discipleship. If they were to do again, they would not do it. He here allows them a power of revocations and leave them at their liberty to choose. It's in a very similar manner for all of us seated here. If we are unwilling to stay, there's really no point staying. Our hearts has not been changed. Our hearts may not be changed either. You see, this is the sad truth of human life. Some of us who stay are not here willingly, but our hearts are still against God. And you know there's those who truly submit themselves to God, who willingly come before God, who enter heaven, who enter the place that has been granted to us by God. Now, the second thing that we see here is almost like a test that Jesus has towards his disciples. In fact, it's not just a test for them, but it is to show them Christ's regards towards them. You see, this very question that Jesus has put forward to the twelve was a very affectionate question towards them. It's his care and concern towards them, his tender regard for them. Jesus did not ask this question to the other disciples that he had. 
but specifically for this group of disciples which has stayed with him. He knows his disciples. He knows each and every single one of them, those who will stay and those who will live. He knows who they are and he kept some of them. He kept this twelve by his side. This twelve has stayed not because of anything so-called super special in that sense, but it's because they were close with Christ. This twelve, generally speaking, they are close with Christ. They have seen Christ. Their faith has been kept in Christ through the means of staying close with Christ. How could they know what Christ speaks is true? How could they believe what Christ spoken was true? It's by themselves drawing close to God. You see how firm our foundation, how firm our faith is. One of it is dependent on how close we are to God. It is the means by how God keeps us in Him. It is the means of guidance towards us. What the things that are wrong, what are the things that are right, what are the things that are permissible to do is in God's hand. Is in God's word. How does God teach us? Through His word. Through the listening of His word that we may know, that we may draw closer to Him. The nearer that we have been to Christ, the longer we have been with Him, the more mercy we have received from Him, and the more engagement we have laid ourselves under to Him, the greater will be the sin if we desert Him also. The closer we are to Him, the greater the sin that if that we will receive if we deserve him. In a very similar manner, this is true for Judas Iscariot. Some of us will go and reach the end. Some of us will fall like Judas himself. So that is the question. How much do we know Christ, but not just on the surface level, but how much do we truly know him? Are we his true disciples or not? That's the question that has been posted. Now, the next thing is that uh, when the apostasy of some is a grief to the Lord, the consistency of others is so much more of his honor and his pleas with it accordingly. Christ and believers know one another too well to part upon every displeasure. You see, the disciples, the 12 apostles, sorry, are put in a form of temptation in the sense that all have left Christ. Everyone around them have left Christ. Most of them at least. Not there's only left the twelve and maybe a few scattered remnants here and there. How do they still stand still with Christ and stand firm beside Christ? The question that they have to ask themselves. Christ, yes, agrees over the losses. Yet he receives honor for those who stays by his side, those and those who stays with him. The mercy of God is shown through those people who he has saved, and the justice of God is shown through those who have been condemned. This is what we are made for. This is what we have been designed for to worship and honor him. Even in these times, of sadness, of great grief, we worship and honor Him. You know, we always like to ask this kind of hypo, hypothetical questions. What if everyone in this world lived Christ? Are we willing to stand firm in our faith and say that even if it's just me, I will go on? In a very similar way, the 12 apostles faced something very similar to that. 
everyone around them left Christ. Only they were left to be with Christ. And yet the test was here whether they were willing to go with Christ or to forsake him as well. And we see the 12 make their choice to stay with Christ. Of course, it's not explicit. But when we look further on, the 12 stayed with Christ, except for one, of course. But the 12 of them did follow him all the way to the end. Now, when we come to verse 68, we see Simon Peter answer him, Lord, to whom shall we go and have the words of eternal life? Simon Peter is a very interesting character if you were to read through the gospel itself. He's always the most outspoken one. He's always, it always seems as though he was one of the closest disciples out of the 12 to Jesus, which might very well be the case in the sense of the outward appearance. He was given to the key to the church. And so, if up to today, many people have been, uh, have been so-called raised, uh, having Peter as a very iconic figure in their own church, as the founder of the church. So, we see Peter as that, you know, he's a very outspoken, and he almost, in a way, represented the whole 12 of them in, 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 this, in this question that Jesus has asked. Now, I think one can imagine that when Jesus asked this question to the 12, the 12 of them will be very shocked. Why is Jesus asking this question? Is Jesus saying or hinting that some of us may leave the faith? Is Jesus hinting that all of us will leave the faith? What is the purpose of Jesus asking this question? And in that moment of silence, Peter stood up and said, to him, Lord, who, can, who shall we go? Who has, you have the eternal, uh, the words of eternal life. Who else has that? He, um, he represented to 12, but yet he, of course, did not know that one of the 12 was the devil. But nonetheless, we see his understanding of the group of them, the whole lot of them. It represents the whole lot of them to ask this very significant question uh, and, this, and to answer this very significant question that Jesus himself would ask. See, he, uh, he answered with a question, a rhetorical question, Lord, to whom shall we go? See, this itself is hinting as this, who else can the disciples be going to? The Pharisees, Sadducees? To keep the law of God, yes, they are a failure at it. They themselves are incapable of doing what they wish to do. Is it better to follow John the Baptist? Is it better to follow John the Baptist who has been baptizing people as how Christ have? Is it better to turn to Moses even to follow his laws? But yet, also, why Moses? The Moses' law itself was a curse, was condemning of them for what they had done. To whom shall I go? It was the fully to go from you, O Lord, unless we know who is better than ours, than you, Lord. He recognized that no one in this world is better than the Lord our God. He recognized that no one in this world can replace the Lord our God. He realized that wherever he goes, he shall ultimately return to the Lord. Is it really that we can go to our sins? It is certain destruction to us. It is, is it to 
otherworldly things that is perishable. They, at this point of time, would have recognized who Jesus was. He wasn't just a man, but he was God in the flesh. He was God, became flesh to dwell in this world. He knows who Christ is. Do we then do Christ is? They recognized Jesus not just as a good teacher. They did not just recognize Jesus as a good spiritual guide. They recognized Jesus to have revelation also. They will see later on in the next half of the sentence. But yet, through their recognition, they've realized nothing is better than Christ than the world. Apart, uh, nothing is better than Christ compared to the world. Nothing could be better than Christ. What can be better than Christ in this world that they are living in? They do not wish to go back to where they come from. Fisherman's tax collector. Shall they go back to their own careers? Shall they go back to their own families? Shall they forsake the Lord their God? Similar manner, what about us? Not many of times, many of times we are put in such situation that we have to make a choice whether to follow Christ or to follow the world. Which way do we choose? Which ways do we follow? Which way is our heart truly yearning and desiring to go with? They themselves make the right choice here. Now, they also, uh, Simon Peter also replied, you have the words of eternal life. This is rather intriguing for Simon Peter to reply this, to say this very statement. Of course, today, we ourselves, when we look back into scriptures, we understand this. You have the words of eternal life. You have, you have the key to eternal life in some ways. You are the one that determines our eternal life. Through the cross, we understand that Christ died on the cross for us. We recognize that Christ himself did all these things to save our lives so as to grant us eternal life. But to Simon Peter himself, this was but a riddle. He wouldn't have known what was Jesus talking about. See, previously, when we look at John, uh, previously, previous part of John chapter 6, we see that how Jesus was speaking about bread, he was speaking about uh, eating his flesh, he was speaking about drinking his blood. Peter would see it as a riddle. To him, he might literally thought that he has to eat Christ's body and drink of his literal blood. That's what Peter could have been thinking about at that point of time. He wouldn't have known, at least explicitly, that Jesus had to die. In fact, most of the disciples wouldn't have known that Jesus needs to die. They wouldn't have known it. But yet, with what Peter has known, he has made a profession who God, who Christ is, and what Christ has came to do. He recognized that there is nothing in this world that he's capable of granting him salvation and the forgiveness of sin. He recognized that no, he's not able to go to the law of Moses to seek for this because the law of Moses, as I mentioned before, only comes to condemn them of their sins. He recognized that Christ is the only one who is able to nourish him, who has the power and the authority to grant life to them. That the words of eternal life and what he speaks of what Christ has spoken is capable of granting eternal life that has been set up, that has been set 
for us in place. His word is not just merely words of teachings, but his words are revelations that has been spoken on behalf of God. In the way he is God speaking to us in the first place, that the word of his determination must confirm eternal life. As the words of eternal life is the same with his heavenly power to give eternal life to as many as were given to him by the Father. He has in the foregoing discourse assured eternal life to his follower. These disciples fastened upon his plain, plain saying and therefore resolved to stick to him when others overlooked this and fastened upon the heart saying and therefore pursued him. Many of them, of the other disciples, when they heard of Jesus speaking of these things, they left. They left. But this hard saying of Jesus to the disciples, to the twelve apostles themselves, to Simon Peter, it was a comfort, it was a confirmation, it was an assurance of eternal life. What might seem to be foolish to the world is the greatest knowledge and wisdom that we can receive as Christians. The world despises the scriptures, but do we uphold the scriptures? Do we also despise the scriptures like the rest of the world? The question is thrown to us here. Even Peter, even though it seemed like a widow, he understood one thing, which is to trust in the Lord. To trust in Jesus Christ and the words that He has spoken, that they have power. That those are not just, uh, they are not just plain promises without anything. And then recognize that what Jesus has spoken was truth. But what about us as Christians living today? We know what has happened. We see in the past, we see in the scriptures what Jesus has done for us. We hear stories of what Jesus has done for us. We hear so many things about Christ. Yet how much do we believe in Christ? Do we believe that he has the words of eternal life? Is this a comfort to us in times of struggles? It's so easy for us to go in times of struggles when so much things around the world tells us otherwise. Christ is fake. Christ never came to this world. Christ, what Christ has spoken was false, Christ has never resurrected from Christ's body, etc, etc, etc. We have been catechized by the world in a way, we have been taught by the world, we have been indoctrinated by the world. But how often do we turn to God, turn to Christ, and say that you have the words of eternal life? You hold us in eternal life. Who else? Shall we go to seek for understanding, to seek for knowledge, but from you, O Lord? This is really something that we need to recognize today, especially living in this world, which tries to teach us about Christianity. Funny, if you were to look around the world, so many media are trying to teach us about what Christianity is. Best example is the tree of the knowledge of good and ER of good and evil. People always depict as a as an apple and we have been categorized in the way that it is an apple. So when in our own conversation we think that the fruit that Adam and Eve had eaten was an apple. And this is a very small thing, yes, of course. 
but this just reflects on how much media and society has taught us scriptures and we have not learned scriptures from Christ himself. This is something that is very sad, of course. But this is yet true. And this is something for us to question ourselves. So with that, I end us off here. I think it's really good for us to go back, reread this chapter, see Jesus' interaction with his disciples, not just the twelve, but all of his disciples, and see ultimately how most of them has turned away. But yet Simon Peter and the other and the other ten, not including Judas, of course, but the other ten, how they themselves have replied, how they themselves have stood firm in Christ in times of such crisis. So with that, I will, I will end us off here today and I will close us in prayer. Uh, let me close us in prayer. May gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for tonight's session. Lord, and may you continue to guide us the Holy Spirit to teach us your word, Lord, to help us to understand what you have shown us in John chapter 6, verses 67 and 68. Help us to be like Simon Peter, Lord. Help us to be like the 12 apostles, to stand firm in you. That we are to ask that if we were to ask whether we are going to lose our faith, the answer that we give is who else can we turn to? Who else, O oh Lord, is like you that we can turn to, to seek for eternal life? Who else in this world can grant us this promise, the words of eternal life? Help us, O Lord, to strengthen our faith in you. Teach us and guide us in our daily life that we may live our life out as true and earnest Christians. And we pray always in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.